0: We're starting a brand new series today called The Ten Commandments. I'm the youth pastor. I get the privilege of sharing with your, 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 young, your young ones, 6th to 12th grade. And, um, and it's always an honor to get to share with you on a Sunday morning. I, I talked to one of our students this morning, and I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. To the best of your ability, can you name ten beers? She's like, oh, yeah, Bud Light, Budweiser, Samuel Adams. And she started naming them off. She got to nine, to her credit. She's like, I just need one more. Uh, At least she's like Coors Light or something like that. I was like, hey, that's pretty good. You said those pretty fast. Can you name me ten commandments? She goes, well, there's uh, don't kill, right? Um, You know, something about your mom and dad, you know. (laughs) Obey them. I was like, honor them. Okay, yeah, honor them. Anyway, she got to five. I was like, okay, we got half. She said, what? She gave gave me one more. She got six. Not too bad. Interesting. She does not drink beer. She's not even old enough. She doesn't drink. But she can spat them off uh, one right after the other. How familiar are we with the Ten Commandments? Now, we might be able to recite all Ten Commandments, but how familiar are you with why God gave these commandments to the people of God? Why? do we call them the commandments when Moses never referred to them as commandments? Why are they referred to as the 10 words? Which one's the first commandment? Is it, uh, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt, or is it to not have any other gods before me? Do we actually know the commandments of God? You know what I find so interesting is you don't have to have grown up in the United States or in a, a country where a uh, uh, Judeo-Christian values are part of the culture. It's interesting that no matter where you grew up, nobody appreciates you stealing their stuff. No one had to teach their kid, in order to get out of being in trouble, just lie. No father or mother sat their child on their lap and said, look, if you don't tell me the truth, I'm not going to know if you did it. No one had to teach you to be upset when someone takes the life of someone you care about? How do we know? How is it that every culture across the world understands the standards of God and holds people accountable to the the standards of God? I think it's another proof that God God does indeed exist. It is another proof that his word is true. He said, I will write my law upon their hearts. Whether you grew up in the United States or in the, the woods of Papua New Guinea. You know that lying is wrong. Your body will betray you when we bear false witness. But is that all of that passage means? Is, are these just a list of rules for those who claim faith? I think if that's the extent of what we understand about the Ten Commandments, we're missing a huge picture as to why God gave them. We'll be covering the history of purpose An application behind each commandment and clear up a lot of common misconceptions and misunderstandings regarding these 10 words in Exodus 20. Maybe that's a good place to start. Moses never actually refers to them as the 10 commandments. They're referred to as the 10 words, a Hebrew expression that refers to these commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy literally means 10 words, which will make sense a little bit later. Whose words are these? You might be familiar with them. All ten of them are. There's a. There's actually a variety of different lists of these ten words, ten commandments. Uh, and Pastor Mark's going to share a little, a little, a uh, few of them when he covers our first one next week. Uh, the these commandments are referred to as the Decalogue. A deca means ten. It's the Greek word for ten, and logos means word. These are the 10 words that God gave the Israelites at Mount Sinai. And we'll see in this series that these 10 words, these are the 10 words that God wants all believers to follow, but to recognize a very important thing about each one of these. And I hope that we get to see that this morning. I think we're all pretty clear with some of the practical ones, like don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. But what about some of the other ones that we don't talk often about? What about the Sabbath? What does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? Is that something that we are to observe today? Did the Sabbath change from Saturday to Sunday? Why is is the portion about Sabbath in Deuteronomy look different than the portion about Sabbath here in Exodus 20? What does it mean exactly for God to be jealous? What? God's jealous? Yeah. It's in these 10 words we're going to read this morning. What does that mean? Can you be jealous? Is it allowed? To God, is there a difference between murder and killing? Like if you're on the battlefield. There's a whole movie called Hacksaw Ridge. The whole conflict in the movie is that he doesn't want to kill because it's against his religion. And he cites God. Is it no? It's against against my faith in God to take the life of another person. Is he right? Does he have that commandment in full scope? Is there a difference between killing and murder? Does God rank Some of these commandments above others. When we break these commandments, does God find one to be more offensive than the other? When the Bible says if you are guilty of one portion of the law, if you break one portion of the law, you're guilty of the entire law. What does he mean by that? Is it possible to maintain a life in complete obedience to all commandments of God? Does taking the Lord's name in vain only mean to not use his name as a cuss word? When someone just says, ah, Jesus, as an expression of frustration. Is that what it means to take the Lord's name in vain? Is that all that it means? The Bible says to honor your mother and your father, yes. Then how come Jesus says, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother? And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, Matthew ten thirty-five. What does all this mean? Are the commandments just a list of rules? I hope I piqued your interest because we're going to cover all of this. If you're a visitor today, I'm telling you, you came on a good day. But keep coming. This is going to get good, and we're going to go in deep. I think we're all going to have a well-rounded understanding as to why God gave us the commandments. But I think we need to do something first. We need to set the stage as to how all this took place. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to not Exodus 20. We're going to go back one chapter, Exodus chapter 19. Please turn with me over there. These questions, a whole lot more will be covered in the course of this series. The list of commandments, or these 10 words, can be found in two places in God's Word. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. But let's set the stage here in Exodus 19. You know what's interesting? Until recently... These 10 words used to be displayed in prominent areas throughout American history. It was commonplace to see the 10 commandments in courtrooms, in schools, and even in some public libraries. But now, more and more of these monuments and these these reminders are being removed and even publicly destroyed, saying these lists, these rules, these commandments are archaic. And no longer uh, applicable to culture today. I firmly believe that a correlation exists between the time when our culture eliminated these words from public spaces and the subsequent decline that began to unfold shortly afterward. Let's make sure that these vital words of God are not removed from our own hearts nor from our lips. So to set the stage for when these words were given by God and why he gave them, we need to go to Exodus chapter 19. So look that with me beginning in verse number 1. We're going to read this and break it down as we're going before we get to Exodus 20. Uh, This is Exodus chapter 19, verse number 1. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites have left Egypt, on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. This would have been familiar ground to Moses. At this point, God had already rescued the people from Israel and rescued them away from the enslavement and the abuse of Pharaoh. Now, through the the 10 plagues, and the parting of the Red Sea God demonstrated to the Pharaoh and all of the Israelites at this point that he really is who he says he is the one true and only all-powerful God. You remember Pharaoh? He finally lets the Israelites go after the 10th plague which killed his firstborn son. And then Pharaoh changed his mind, right? He gathered the armies and went after them all the way all the way to The Red Sea, and then they got destroyed by God. Now, God's people are here in Exodus 19, having wit having just witnessed all of this, having God conquer all the Egyptian gods, and showing once and for all there is only one God. They saw all this firsthand. It It wasn't a story that was passed down from generation to generation. When they saw these things, it, it wasn't something that when, when, when they were reflecting on these, these things that God just did, it wasn't something they read in a history book. They saw God's mighty power as an eyewitness. This will be important to remember as we go through this series. So from the Red Sea, God leads them here to Mount Sinai, a familiar place for Moses. This is where God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. It was familiar ground for him, but not for Israel. Israel's time spent in Mount Sinai is pretty significant, especially to the rest of their story. When I was young, in Sunday school, you know, they would tell this part about uh, Israel's history pretty quick. I mean, it sounded like they came to Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, and then they started on the 40-year journey. I mean, that's not what happened at all. God had specific intentions of teaching his people his law, Why? Why was it so important to give them them the rules? Is that what he was doing? Was it just giving the list of rules? Now that you're a part of this club, here are the things you can do, here are the things you're not supposed to do. Is that what he was doing? God has specific reasons of giving them his law. In fact, everything from Exodus 19 all the way through the end of the book and all the way through the next book of Leviticus, and all the way up until Numbers, I think chapter 10, all takes place here at Mount Sinai. God had a lot to teach them. He has a lot to teach us. Now keep in mind, up until this point, the people of Israel have only seen God from a distance. They've only seen his power from a distance. And it was mighty power, fearful power. But they haven't actually engaged and interacted with God like Moses has. Now, God is going to properly introduce himself, if you will, on an individual level. You know, when I was, uh, one of my first jobs, I worked at Cinemark, Cinemark 16 in Harlingen. I was uh, 16 years old. And um, one of my very first jobs, and it's a brand-new theater that just opened up. And we had a, a new concept in this theater. It was, a, it was a restaurant called Studio Eats. It's a common thing now, but we were, the, we were one of the first prototypes. We're making burgers and sandwiches and pizzas, stuff like that. And it, it's opening day, and we're all a little nervous. And uh, Mr. Noyola, our manager is also a little nervous. You ever work with someone like that? You know, you're looking to get some confidence from your leader, but you can see they're just as nervous as you are. And um, we're getting ready to open, and our kitchen door opens. Mr. Brady walks in. Now, this is before Facebook and Instagram, so we can look up your boss and see what they're like at home. Okay, we, had n- we never get to see Mr. Brady. He's the head honcho general manager of Cinemark 16, and he's always up in his office looking down. Mr. Brady opens the door. We're like, oh, Mr. Brady, what's wrong? Mr. Brady, what's He goes, he, he is, hi, guys. Passes the kitchen, goes in the front where we're baking cookies. Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. I don't know if you guys know, familiar with that brand. It's good stuff. The whole room smells like, like, like cookies. I hear him open up that little mini oven and starts pulling out some cookies. I'm like, hey, what's he doing? Comes back around to the kitchen and says, hey, guys, come have a cookie with me. Sure. and I don't know what we talked about but it wasn't about work he told us a little bit about himself we got to know Mr. Brady we got, I remember he told us his first name but I don't know <laughs> we just called him Mr. Brady I, don't remember. I remember we had just a sweet, sweet time with him almost as if to say hey I know I've been giving you guys a lot of instruction from a distance but I want to, to come and talk to you myself it gave us so much calm just to know that Mr. Brady was in her corner. This moment you're about to witness was kind of like that, except much more serious, and the implications were much, much higher, obviously. You got to see, there's a lot of comfort that came after this. This was going to be God's first real interaction with all of Israel, and it was a beautiful thing, even though it was very serious. The gravity was immense. Look at verse number three. God uh, then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, "This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself." Guys, this had to have been beautiful language on the part of the hearer. This is the I'm not just in the room. Here's some cookies. How you doing? You guys doing okay? I rescued you from Egypt. I carry you like wings. of Even though God just displayed how fearfully powerful he is, he is describing their being carried by him as gentle as a mother's eagle. This would have made sense to them. They would have seen this before. When an eaglet is learning to fly, the mother eagle flies under them and spreads out her wings to catch them. This would have been very comforting words for Israel, which is important because now he's about to get really serious with them. I love you, and I carry you like a a mother does his eaglet. But what I'm about to tell you is extremely important. I need all of your attention is what he's going to tell these Israelites. So verse number five, he starts to switch gears. Now, if you obey me and fully keep my covenant with you, very important word, Then, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. The God that you saw, the God that you saw do all this stuff to Egypt, you will be my favored people. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God is laying down this foundation, his covenant, which is a a spiritual contract, if you will, with his people who will eventually demonstrate his character and nature to everyone around them. Because I have a very important job for you. You are going to reflect my character and nature to the pagan nations that are around you. And you will be highly favored, my treasured possession. This covenant will eventually lead to the the redemptive plan for all of mankind. This covenant proposed by God would give Israel an exalted position among the nations. If they accepted it. If they accepted God's righteous standards, his covenant. Verse number seven. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people all responded... We'll do everything he says. <laughs> I, think, I think, I don't know what else they would have said, but at this point, they are not only comforted, but they also just saw his power. Like, yes, we we'll, hey, he's the man. We'll follow him. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Then Moses, I mean, then God says something really important, verse number nine. Don't miss this. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud. Why? so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Why do you think God wanted to do that? Why do you think God wanted the people of Israel to literally hear his voice speaking to Moses? We were all kids before, right? How many you guys had brothers and sisters? Did you ever use mom said? All right, mom goes over to you and says, hey, go take out the trash. Hey, Isaac, mom said, go take out the trash. Not lying. Mom did say those words. Go take out the trash. And so Isaac, gets up. Let's take out the trash. Of course, you're looking through the the blinds. (laughs) Using mom's name in vain. I think it was vitally important. The people of God trusted the words of Moses. I think it's vitally important for you and I to understand there were millions of witnesses hearing the voice of God speak these things to Moses. I think it's important for us to understand this because it will increase the integrity of God's word. There was a lot at stake here, and so it was vitally important that Israel knew The people of Israel knew that the proposal God was about to make was coming directly from Him and not Moses' idea. So Israel accepts, and then God tells them to enter into a time of purification. If it wasn't serious enough, He adds on to the gravity of this moment. And He tells them to do several things to consecrate themselves for three days. I'm not going to read through the whole portion, but during this time of purification, it was pretty intense. Some of the things that were supposed to do is they were supposed to ceremoniously cleanse themselves, uh, their bodies, even their clothes. And they were not allowed to even approach the mountain until they heard the sound of a loud trumpet. If they even touched the mountain before it was time, they would die. Even animals were to be put to death if they came onto the mountain the next, uh, uh, come come to the mountain before the next three days. Why so serious? The seriousness of these next three days would underscore the gravity and significance of a very pivotal pivotal moment in the history of Israel, I would say the history of mankind. Verse 16. On the morning, the third day, They've done all this consecration. There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Yeah, I would too. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Just imagine this for a moment. Picture the scene here. I think we, when we hear about the giving of the Ten Commandments, we, we have uh, maybe Mel Brooks' version of it. You know, he had the commandments, he dropped five, and now we got ten. It was a serious moment. You guys know what I'm talking about? These are 15. Okay, all right. the kids are like, what? 15? Um, it, was, it was a serious moment. I would say it was a terrifying moment. You ever have your mom or your dad back in the day have a tone? No matter how sweet and loving they are, there is a tone when they gather your attention. Listen. The eyes go a little bit big. Listen to me right now. They don't even have to yell. This is serious. Imagine this for a moment. The sight of thunder, lightning, and a thick cloud coming over the mountain. And accompanied, accompanied by, by a huge blast of a trumpet, something that's not usual, that would have instilled this profound sense of awe and fear in the people, no less than you and me. They were witnessing a powerful and transcendent manifestation of God's presence. And it was It was intense. The intensity of this natural phenomenon must have made them feel so small and insignificant in the presence of such divine majesty and supremacy. And he's saying, you belong to me. I love you. I carried you. The people would have felt compelled to consider this event with deep reverence and worship. Verse 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet blew louder and louder. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. You know, I think in many, many respects we've lost this terrifying reality of God. The picture that we have of the Lord is that he's he's a loving God. Also, a just God. You know, I think many believe God to be all about love, joy, and pink fluffy bunnies. When I was a kid, I used to think that God was this old man in the clouds, you know, taking care of the clouds. You guys remember uh, Care Bears? Remember this old man with a broom? This guy. I used to think God was like him. Oh, this way. God was a sweet old man taking care of the clouds, just wanting wanting everybody to be kind to each other. I think God is due reverent fear. I think the due reverent fear of the Lord is somewhat lost today, but we need to regain that back. We live in a time that many people abuse God's patience and grace, and that ought never be the case with us. So, to be sure his people started out knowing that he means business, he was very direct with the consequences of not responding to the gravity of this moment. Look what he says, verse 20. Lord, the Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and said to call Moses to the, mount, to the top of the mountain. And so Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Didn't he already say all this? Yes, all through scripture we do see that God is a God of order. And so you better believe he's going to have order when giving them these uh, these 10 words in a crucially important moment for Israel. But he's still gracious. Even though he will will respond harshly to anyone who disregards the solemnness of this moment, he's still extending grace by giving them another warning. And Moses said, well, the people can't come up here because you yourself have already warned us. So we put around the mountain, set set it apart as a holy place. Evidently, there was already a barrier put in place because God had already warned them, just in case someone forgot. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through uh, to come up to the Lord. Or I will break out against them. Again, he warns them one last time. Verse number 25. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Chapter 20. Here we go. I'm going to read this straight through. And we're going we're to close here in a little bit. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am. And the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. What is he talking about there? But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the Lord's name, your, sorry, the Lord your God in vain, the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does he mean by this? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do, you should do no work. You nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it, made it holy. Honor your mother and your father, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. What is he saying there? Why was honoring your mother and your father so vital? Why does it have a promise along with its obedience? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, nor his Male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbors. Here's what I find so fascinating about the Ten Commandments. This is God's official introduction to his people. And so he gives him a list of rules. you see how it doesn't quite fit? You never walk up to somebody you've never met and say, Hi, I'm Zeke. Show up ten minutes early to anywhere you go. What? Oh, it's just a rule I live by. What's going on here? Why is he telling them these 10 words as an introduction of, his, of who he is? You know what he's doing? He's saying, you are going to represent who I am. This is who I am. You're going to be a beacon of light to the nations around you, and I want you to reflect my light. We said from the beginning that this moment was God introducing himself. Through the course of this series, you will see that what God is doing. He is revealing his character and nature to his people and to you and me. Yes, these are the ten words of God, and he will hold the nation of Israel accountable to them, but he's also revealing his character and nature to them. You can look at the Ten Commandments like this, God's character in the Decalogue, No other gods. Why? Because I am the only one and true God. I'm telling you what I'm like. I'm telling you who I am. There is no other God. No idols. How come? Because no image made by human hands can emulate who I am. You can't even imagine something else that could even come close to what I am. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You need to trust me even when you don't understand. Honor his name. How come? Because God's many names reveal his holiness and power. If you're going to bear his name, we need to bear his name with, with accuracy With that's demonstrating who he is. Honor his appointed rest. Why? Because he will not rob you of rest. His burden is light, the Bible says. But he has things for us to do. Honor your parents. How come? Because the role of your parents will reflect his image. Think about this. It's the union of mom and dad that paint the image of what God is like to your children. Just as, God, just as dad is supposed to be a, prov- a provider, a protector, so is the Lord. Just as mom is naturally a caregiver, a nurturer, so is the Lord. Together they paint the image of what God is like. That's why divorce hurts so much. To who? Mom and Dad. Now to the kids. We're breaking the image of God. Well, you don't understand my situation. Hey, I get it. I'm just telling you there's a reason why it hurts so much. Don't murder. Why? Because he is the life giver. He is the giver of life. Don't violate the covenant of marriage. How come? Because he will never violate his covenant with you. Even when we are faithless, he is He is faithful. Don't steal, why? Because he gives abundantly and he will never take from you to benefit himself. If we were to reflect his character in nature, it would be demonstrated in how we interact with the people around us. Don't lie, why? Because he will never lie to you. His truth, he holds his truth above his very name. Don't covet, why? Because he will never desire what you have for himself. Also, he is fully content. He's not looking at you and saying, ugh, There she goes. There he goes again, walking away from me. You know what, I'm gonna start a new people on this new planet, and I'm I'm, 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 no, you're it. He is fully content in you. Are you fully content in him? Guys, we haven't even scratched the surface of what each of these mean. And I hope that you will 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 stay the course. Let's get through each one of these. I really think it's gonna captivate the, the captivate your heart in a beautiful way.